0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a sign of things to come, as we pick up in Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Shall we turn now to Jeremiah 16? Now, you remember that Jeremiah was just a young man when God called him to this prophetic ministry. And so in chapter 16, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. So Jeremiah is commanded by God not to marry. And the reason for the commandment not to marry or not to have children was to be a sign to the people of the terrible times that were coming. They were going to really be facing hard times. And it was no time to be having children because if you have children, they're going to die of starvation. They're going to be killed in the siege. It's just not a time to be having children or uh, to be getting married and also it was to be a sign, uh, his bachelorhood was to be a sign unto the people. Now, it is interesting that God spoke to Hosea and told him to marry. And God directed him concerning his marriage. And with Hosea, his marriage was to be a sign unto the people. With Isaiah... He was to name his children as signs to the people. And so their names uh, meant certain things uh, that were again uh, assigned to the people. So with Jeremiah, God called him to bachelorhood. For thus saith the Lord concerning the sons and the daughters that are born in this place, concerning their mothers that bear them, concerning the fathers that begat them in this land. They shall die of grievous deaths. They shall not be lamented, neither will they be buried, but they will be as dung upon the face of the earth, and they shall be consumed by the sword and by the famine, and their carcasses shall be meat for the fowls of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. For thus saith the Lord, Enter not into the house of mourning, Neither go to lament nor bemoan them, for I have taken away my peace from this people, saith the Lord, even loving kindness and mercies. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried, neither shall men lament for them, nor cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. Now, in Israel, they, they have customs when a family member dies. You're not to shave for thirty days. And uh, then when you shave, you, you you take the hair that has grown in that thirty days and offer it uh, unto the Lord as sort of a sacrifice. But it was a sign, it is a sign of mourning, and even to the present day the Jews observe this sign of mourning at a death. So the shaving was after the thirty days that they had died. But he's he's saying there's not going to be any kind of a memorial or cutting of your, shaving of yourself or whatever for those who have died. Neither shall men tear themselves for them in mourning. And of course, these people sought to show their great love for the deceased and, and the more wailing that went on in the house Indicated to everybody how much you love them. So when someone died that was very close to you, you wanted everybody to know how deeply you love them. And so you would hire wailers to come into your house. And there were professionals that could really wail. And, uh, they, they would come in and, and go through this wailing process. And of course, you would join in with them. And there was this, lamenting the wailing that they did for the dead. And so he is saying that that's not going to even be going on. Uh, The tearing of themselves or this mourning to comfort them for the dead. Neither shall men give them the cup of consolation to drink for their father or for their mother. So don't get married. Don't have children because the people that are here, the children that are now being born are going to suffer Fearful, awful deaths, as their their bodies won't even be buried. There'll be no one around to mourn their deaths. And and he's just telling of the hard, hard times that are coming. And because of that, as a sign to the people, he was not to marry nor to have children. Now the Lord gave him a second commandment in verse 8. Thou shalt not also go into the house of feasting, to sit with them, to eat and to drink. Now, of course, the feasts were great occasions. And um, it was really, their, their, they didn't have television, radios, and uh, movie theaters. And so their entertainment was at these feasts. And these feasts would be great occasions, not only of dining, but also of entertainment. And so there was great laughter as, as you had all kinds of entertainment during these feasts and all. And they were just times of, of entertainment and celebration. But the prophet is told not to go to these feasts. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will cause to cease out of this place in your eyes. And in your days the voice of merriment and the voice of gladness, and the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride. During your time, during this generation, these things are all going to cease in this land. So as a sign to the people that the end has come, don't go into the house of feasting. Don't join in that merriment. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt show this people all these words, And they shall say unto thee, Why has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? Or what is our iniquity? Or what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Then shalt thou say unto them, Because your fathers have forsaken me, saith the Lord, and have walked after other gods, and have served them, and have worshipped them, and have forsaken me, and not kept my law, But you have done worse than your fathers For behold, you walk everyone after the imagination of his evil heart That they may not hearken unto me So there was anarchy Everyone was following the imagination of his own evil heart God's law was forsaken And thus the judgments of God were coming upon them Now... The Jew was immensely proud of his heritage. They were always talking about our fathers. And Jesus brings out the fact how they are always saying, well, our fathers, and in the days of our fathers. So you remember when Stephen was called in before the Sanhedrin, as he started to sort of rehearse for them their, what they felt, illustrious history, he got caught up as he was rehearsing their history with the whole hypocrisy of the thing. For remembering their history, he remembered how they had treated the prophets of God. Now here is Jeremiah and he's saying, hey, this is all happening to you because your fathers have forsaken God. They are worshiping these other gods. But you are even worse than your fathers. Everyone is doing after the imagination of his own wicked heart. And for this cause, God is pronouncing This judgment that is coming. Now, their reaction to Jeremiah was to put him in prison when he brought this message to them. So as Stephen is rehearsing to the Sanhedrin, who, you know, our fathers, and and you remember Jesus in talking with them, they said, they they were kept talking about our fathers, and, and Jesus said, look, if Abraham was your father, then you believe in me. For Abraham... Rejoice to see my day. And he saw it. And, and they were arguing with Jesus about that. And they said, we have, you know, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil, and his works are the works that you're doing. Well, Stephen got carried away and, and he said, which of the prophets have you not stoned? And he started really laying on them what they fathers had done, that they they weren't these glorious, illustrious kind of men of faith, that, that they had actually turned away from God and reminded them of that fact. Therefore, God said, will I cast you out of this land into a land that you know not, neither ye nor your fathers, and there you will serve other gods day and night where I will not show you favor." Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from the lands whether he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave to their fathers. Now, he's speaking about this dark period of history that they're facing. During your time, the land is going to be Laid desolate During your time You're going to be carried away captive Because of your evil and turning against God It's all going to happen in your time And yet Though he is pronouncing this judgment He goes ahead and speaks of that glorious day When God will gather them back again into the land After the 70-year captivity, the Lord will bring them back into the land and the day will come when they'll say the God who brought us out of our captivity rather than the God who brought our fathers out of Egypt, they'll talk about God who brought us back from the captivity and put us back in the land. Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them, from every mountain, from every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. For my eyes are upon all their ways, and they are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from my eyes. And first I will recompense their iniquity and their sin double, because they have defiled my land and they have filled mine inheritance with the carcasses of the detestable and abominable things. Jeremiah cried out, in response to what God had said, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, and my refuge in the day of affliction. The Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. Shall a man make gods unto himself, and they are no gods? Therefore, Behold, I will this once cause them to know, and I will cause them to know mine hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah. So Jeremiah cries out, it's almost as a psalm. In fact, there are psalms, the Lord is my strength, my refuge, my fortress. And he is perhaps thinking of that psalm when he cries out, O Lord, my strength, my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction. And then the the prophecy of the Gentiles coming from the ends of the earth. And Paul makes mention of the prophecies concerning the Gentile salvation in the book to the Romans. Chapter 17, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with a point of a diamond. Interesting that they were using diamonds for Pens in those days, isn't it? Diamonds set in iron. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars, whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees and upon the high hills. O my mountains in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil and thy high places for sin throughout all thy borders." And thou even thyself shalt discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee, and I will cause thee to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not, for ye have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. And so God pronounces the curse upon those that would trust in an alliance in Egypt to deliver them from this Babylonian invasion. Cursed be the man who puts his trust in man and makes the flesh his arm, who has departed from the Lord, that is from trusting in the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, He shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in the salt land and not inhabited. In contrast to the cursed be the man, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is or is the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river And shall not see when the heat comes, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be, he shall not worry in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So the cursing upon those that would trust in man in the arm of flesh and not the Lord, but the blessing upon those that would trust in the Lord. Those who trust in man in the arm of flesh will be dried withered. Dead, uninhabited Those that trust in the Lord Will be like a tree planted by the waters That doesn't even know when summer comes Because of the freshness that it draws out from that water Now verse 9 The heart is deceitful above all things And desperately wicked Who can know it? God's talking about your heart, and my heart. Socrates cried, Man, know thyself. But who really does know himself? The scripture says, Thou, O Lord, searches the heart and the reins. God knows my heart better than I know it. God knows what deception is there and it is easy for us to become deceived. It's easy for us to follow a vain philosophy. It's easy for us to take that adage, the end justifies the means. And so our means become perverse, crooked, Paul the Apostle talks about those who say, well, our lies bring glory to God. So God shouldn't judge us for lying. Or those who would say, well, if I sin, I'm only proving that God is telling the truth when he said all have sinned. So how can God judge me for proving him to be speaking the truth? I'm only helping prove the truth of God's word. So God really can't judge me because I'm only proving what he said is true. And Paul speaks out against the perversity of such kind of logic and how God will judge all. Now, there are those who, in the name of the Lord, are doing crooked and perverse things And if you talk to them about it, challenge them. They would be shocked. They would be disturbed. My brother, you know, you're judging me. Well, the Bible says judge righteous judgment. I I think that we've been put off a long time because we, we are afraid of people saying, well, you're judging, you know. The Bible says, by their fruit ye shall know them. And it is wrong to use deceit and lies and gimmicks to try to extract funds from the people of God in order to support your program. I don't care how righteous or good your program may be. My wife told me not to get into this tonight. It's right here in the scripture. It just came along. I just... uh... (laughs) I cannot understand men advertising their fasting and prayer. When Jesus said, When you fast, anoint your face. Wash yourself, that you might look cheerful and all, that you don't appear unto men to fast. And your Father, which sees in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, don't go out on the street corner, but go into your closet and shut the door. And when some guy sends letters out all over the country, saying, I'm going to spend some time fasting and praying, send me your request, With your $50 check, because I want to pray for you too. Something's wrong. Desperately wrong.
0: We'll continue with more of our verse by verse Bible study in the book of Jeremiah in our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Jeremiah 16 through 17 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org.
1: May he watch over your lives and keep you in his love. May you abound in the love of Jesus Christ. May there just be that rich flowing forth in and from your life as God works in you his perfect work of love and grace. May God grant that you have just a special week of enjoying the goodness and the fullness of God and his love in Jesus' name.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The Summer of Love was the stage for many dramas of change and the most popular musical group in the world was singing, All You Need Is Love. But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer and the truth began to set people free. Author and Pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your life now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit
1: a bookstore nearest you. Or call 1-800-272-WORD. Or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.